Good morning. We're going to talk today about diversions. That may be something you don't too often think about. Here, here's the definition of a diversion. Something that is intended to take someone's attention away from something that you do not want them to concentrate on or notice. So a diversion is some kind of commotion over here to take away the attention of something over here. Uh, anyone that's ever learned to do some magic tricks know that you try to do some, some diversion. You get people to look over here and not look over there when you're, where you're doing the, the trick. So Satan likes to divert us. He gets us sidetracked off what we need to be on. Uh, a couple ways where we can see that uh, play out, number one, is in a military situation where there's going to be an attack going here and we're afraid there's going to be some damage here so we want to get people's attention off here over there excuse me hello uh, it's 9.30 I'm in church 9.30 or 11, 11 o'clock it's 11 o'clock don't call me at 11 o'clock. I'm in church. I'm always in church. This is my purpose in life to be here. Don't sidetrack me on something else. So call me back this afternoon. Thank you. Bye. I apologize for that diversion. Now, what was I talking about? See how a diversion works. Get you sidetracked. In World War II, when the Allies were going to do their massive invasion at Normandy, to fight against uh, German-occupied, you know, they were occupying all, most of Europe. Uh, they knew it was going to be costly, real costly. They knew there would be a lot of lives lost. So they set up a diversion. They come up with all kinds of ways to get the Germans to think that the invasion was actually going to take place at Calais, which was the closest point between England and France. They even found uh, a man who had been killed, had no family, no connections, and they put, in his, they put him in an Air Force uniform, put in his pocket a note inferring to the fact the invasion was going to be at Calais. And they put his body out to be found on a beach someplace. The Germans found it, and they were convinced that the, the invasion was going to be at Calais. That was a diversion. In the military, uh, when, you, when you see something that's going to be costly, you set up a diversion someplace else. Another area where you can see a diversion is what happens in a presidential or vice presidential debate and the candidates are asked a question that some people won't like. They don't want those people not to vote for them, so they set up a diversion. Did you, did you see that last week in the debate? Ask a question, and they talk about this over here because they really don't want you to know where they really stand. Both candidates did that last week. It's a diversion. Um, what, uh, what we want to talk about this morning is spiritual diversions, how Satan gets us off track with a diversion. And I, I want to use this story from Second Kings, uh, Elijah and Elisha, and the transition there. Uh, as an example, I'm reading from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, let's stop right there just a minute, because God just revealed what his purpose was. 
he's going to take this prophet Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. That's what he's going to do. He just revealed his purpose. Now, reading on. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Don't be sidetracking me. See, Elisha knows he's going to be the next prophet of the land. Elijah has been. When God wants to speak to his people, he speaks through a prophet, one who speaks on behalf of another. God has always had prophets speaking into this world. In the year 2020, God still has prophets speaking his word into his people, if his people will listen, and if the prophets will speak up. He has people. So, a little bit of background. Elijah has been faithful to God, and God is about to take him out. Going to take him out up to heaven. Don't ask me why. The Bible doesn't tell us why. We don't know what God's purposes are, except that Elisha is going to be stepping into his shoes. So Elisha says, you're the man of God. I see God speaking through you. And since I'm going to be taking your place, I'm not taking my eyes off you. I'm going to be right there by you. I'm going to be your armor bearer. I'm going to hold your hands up. I'm going to be your defender. I'm going to be right there for you. I'm not taking my eyes off you. So he knows what his purpose is, and he's focused on his purpose. And Elisha knows it. And he doesn't want anybody sidetracking him. But these other people came out, and they said, and they're prophetic. They're part of Elijah's discipleship. And they say, do you know that God's going to take Elijah today? They all know it. There's an awareness there, a spiritual awareness. They all know it. But Elisha says, don't be sidetracking me. Don't be sidetracking me. I've got to keep my eyes on this guy. So the lesson for us is stay focused. Discover what God's will is. Discover your place in God's will, what he wants you to do, and don't get sidetracked because Satan will throw up all kinds of diversions. People who aren't of Satan will throw up diversions to get you off track. So stay focused. So let's uh, fast forward ahead down to verses 11 and 12 and see how this story ends. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Exactly what God said was going to happen. He went to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha is confused. He's got some things to learn about God. He just saw this amazing sight Horses and a chariot of God flaming like its own fire flying in the heavens. 
He just saw this. And he got his attention off Elijah, who went to heaven in a whirlwind. Now, what in the world did the horses and chariot of fire have to do with Elijah's ministry? And what in the world did it have to do with Elijah's ministry? A couple observations from the story. Number one, the chariot had absolutely nothing to do with Elijah or Elisha. It was a diversion. God had to use a diversion because Elisha would have grabbed a hold of Elijah's ankles and rode all the way to heaven. And God didn't want that because Elijah needed him down here. So he created a diversion. I think God creates diversions for us. Did you know that? Sometimes the diversions are of God. Sometimes they're not. This is where we have to be spiritually sensitive. Here's the second observation. Diversions can be more glamorous than the real thing. You see, when we think of of horses and chariots on fire up there, man, doesn't that get your attention? Something amazing is happening here, so we want to get our eyes on the glamorous thing. When sometimes what God wants to do isn't so glamorous at all. It will be one day when we get to heaven. But in the meantime, it's just blood and guts down here as we walk along serving God. Back in the 1960s, the world was at the beginning of a Cold War. John Kennedy was the president of the United States. Nikita Khrushchev was the president of the Soviet Union. And both of them and their countries were spending a fortune around the world to try to influence other governments, other countries, that their way was a better way. And Nikita Khrushchev was trying to convince the world that communism is the better way. John Kennedy was trying to convince the world that capitalism, freedom, is a better way. And they had Nikita Khrushchev come to the United Nations and speak to the leaders or representatives of the leaders of all these countries of the world. And Nikita Khrushchev told this interesting story. He said there was a factory. Of course, he's, he's telling this story from the perspective of Russia. He said there was a factory where there was a man who worked there every day. And he went in and he, he did his manufacturing job at the factory day after day after day. And every day when the work was over, he would come out to the parking lot pushing a wheelbarrow covered with a tarp. And there's a security guard who stopped him. And he said, comrade, what is inside that wheelbarrow? And he said, nothing. He says, I know you. There's got to be something in there. So he pulled back the tarp. Nothing there but an empty lunchbox. So the man was permitted to go. Next day, same thing. He's going out to the parking lot, pushing a wheelbarrow, covered with a tarp. The security guard stops him. He says, I know you're trying to steal something. Pulls the tarp back, and nothing but an empty lunchbox. This went on for years. Finally, the factory worker is ready for retirement, take a government pension. And as he's going out the last day pushing that wheelbarrow, security guard stopped him. And he says, comrade, I know you're trying to steal something. I know you've been trying to steal something for a long time. I know this. Now that you're out of here and you're gone and I can't catch you at anything, tell me, what was it you've been trying to steal? And the comrade smiled and he says, wheelbarrows, my comrade, wheelbarrows. (laughs) 
a diversion. Just put an empty toolbox or empty lunchbox and a tarp, and you divert the fact you're actually trying to steal wheelbarrows. Now, Nikita Khrushchev was trying to say that the United States is stealing the world blind. That's what he was trying to say with that illustration. Uh, but maybe we have someone who's trying to steal us blind. Maybe there's an enemy who wants to steal God's promises from us, steal God's blessings from us, steal the favor of God from our life. So I want to talk about uh, five things that if we're not careful, they'll be diversions. They will pull us off the main thing. First, we need to establish what the main thing is. And the main thing as a human being on planet Earth, is for you to understand our default position, destiny, is eternity in hell because we followed Satan. God understood that, so he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to identify with our lostness, to go to the cross, pay the ultimate penalty, the wages of sin is death. He paid the death penalty for us. And all we have to do then is accept that it's a free gift. And we have a whole new beginning. And then he sends his Holy Spirit inside of us so that we always have this ongoing presence of God in our life. And God is not willing that any perish, but that all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. What's that mean for us? We all have to be a part of making sure the world knows about Jesus. They can reject him if they want, but they have to know about it. And I'm very concerned because we live in a country that calls itself a Christian country when the next generation doesn't even know who Jesus is. How can we call ourselves a Christian country if we're not educating the next generation in the faith? So let me give you these five things that are diversions. Number one, offenses. Offenses. If I get offended at somebody there's a wall that's built up between me and them. So if I were Satan, I'd do everything I could to build up, to, to create offenses between brothers and sisters within the faith. Because if I can get them mad at each other, then they won't sit next to each other. They won't come to the same place. They'll be alienated from each other, and we've lost our unity. We're no longer a body. A body with parts amputated dies. Can't continue. Offenses. I don't know how many times I've talked with people. It's, it's for me, if I'm talking to somebody in my generation, now it's not so much true for the young generation, but if I'm talking to somebody from my generation, I can almost always ask the question, Did you, were you ever part of a church someplace? And pretty much everybody will say, oh yeah, I went to Sunday school, parents made me go to church, or I went to church camp or something. Everybody's got some story along the way. And if you just ask another follow-up question, they'll tell you the reason they stopped going. And it's usually always they were offended. The church fired the pastor or the youth pastor. Or there was a problem with an elder not living what he should be living. There's always some offense people take up along the way. And that's when they severed relationship with the church. So if I were the enemy, I'd throw out some diversions. Somebody saying something, somebody doing something that offends me so I could alienate people from one another. It's what we're seeing in our country politically, alienation. It used to be Republicans and Democrats could sit down and talk a way to fix the problem. Now they don't even want to talk about it. It's a diversion. 
and we can't go anyplace. Country's dead in the water. If you know what I'm talking about, say amen. amen. All right, let's go to number two, the second thing. A new wave. I've learned, and is what the one thing, the one good advantage of being my age is you've seen a lot. And I've seen a lot happen in Christian circles. And I've learned, and I think it's probably been this, been this way since, since uh, Jesus ascended, there are waves of the move of the Spirit. It's like a wave. You stand on the shore and you see a wave come in. And then the wave ends as the water goes out. But another wave will come in. And then it'll go back out. I think Christianity... It's like a series of waves that come in. The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit visits. The Holy Spirit does a neat thing. And then there's a silence for a while. And then another wave will come in that will look altogether different. And a lot of people get saved. A lot of people turn their life around. And there's amazing things that happen. And then the wave goes back out. And there's always a generation that wants to hang on to that wave. Well, I remember the good old days. Why can't we do that again? Well, the wave's gone out. We have to pray for another wave to come in. A new wave. God's always doing something new. It's never the same. doesn't look like or smell like or sound like it used to. It's going to be something new. And I can't wait to see what the next wave is. And I want to be a cheerleader when I see it coming. I'd, I never want to be the brakes on the bus trying to stop everything. Well, let's go. Can we go back to the good old days? No, we can't. That wave's going back out. Now it's time for a new wave. God's going to do something new. There was a time when the disciples were in a boat, and there was a storm going. And Jesus was walking on the water right past them in the middle of the storm. And Peter speaks up, and he said, Lord, if that's really you, invite me to walk to you on the water. I want to do what you're doing. I see you doing it. I want to do what you're doing. I want to be like you. I don't think he really thought through what he was saying. So Jesus says, come. So Peter got down out of the boat, and guess what? He walked on the water. This is amazing. People can't walk on the water. We weigh too much. Somebody that weighs as much as you do can't walk on the water. You're going to sink. But he starts making his way on the water, and then he saw the waves all around him. And it scared him, and he began to sink. What were the waves? They were a diversion. He was actually walking on the water. He was actually doing what Jesus was doing. But when he got his eyes on the wrong thing, he began to sink. It's a diversion. God set him up with uh, uh, the waves were the diversion. Jesse Duplantis says this about diversion. He says, Many of you have known me for years, and I've heard you say things like, He never changes. I've heard him preach 20 years, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? If that shocks you, it shouldn't. We're all supposed to try and be imitators of Jesus. You see, I refuse to be distracted because I don't have time for it. I've got a vision to preach the gospel to the world. 
We need to find out what is God's purpose for us? What is God doing? What's this wave that we're currently riding? And what part does he want me to play and not get sidetracked? A lot of you know that as a hobby, I study family history, my ancestors. I want to know how did current events in the world back then affect them and what role did they play. Recently, I've been uh, studying this ancestor I had who was a part of a church in Canterbury, Massachusetts. And anything in Canterbury was English. So this was an Anglican church. And I'm talking back in the latter 1600s. There was a wave of the Spirit called the Great Awakening. And this great, great awakening affected that church. And my ancestor got caught up in what they called the new wave. Now, during, during the, uh, that great awakening, there, was a, there were really two moves. One was the new, new, called New Light, and the other was called Old Light. They all considered themselves Christians, but the New Light were people who had got caught up in this great awakening movement. They, they could see that the Holy Spirit brought conviction on people. It was an emotional thing for them. But then there was the old light that says, no, 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 that's not the way it works. You're supposed to come to church and listen to what the pastor says and do what he says. But the new light says the Holy Spirit wakens people. And so the church in Canterbury got involved in this big division This big quarrel, are we an old light church or are we a new light church? And my ancestor got thrown into the county jail for beating up on somebody else who was old light when he was new. You see, not a real good witness to the community. Not at all. What am I saying? Waves can divide us. Waves can throw us off balance. We need to be careful. If God's doing something for you, great. But don't try to wreck somebody else's experience in the faith because they don't have yours. Do you remember the story of the tortoise and the hare? The hare knew he could beat the tortoise in a race, so he challenged him to a race, and he, the tortoise agreed. Didn't he know he couldn't win that? But they started out on the race, and the hare was so confident that he could go faster than the, the tortoise he stops along the way, has a chat with these folks, and chats along the way and has a conversation over here. And the next thing you know, he's been so busy being diverted to making his friendships that the tortoise crossed the finish line, won the race. Sometimes it's better to plod along than it is to speed along. The question is, are you going to get across the finish line or are you not? That's the question. Okay, here's the third thing. Wow. Insecurity. Your insecurity, my insecurity, can be a, a diversion from what God wants to do. Here's what we need to remember. You are not Christ, but Christ is in you. Remember that. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. Not in my natural ability, but through Christ, I can do anything he asks me to do. I'm not afraid of taking on the challenge. I'm not afraid of moving ahead. Insecurity. So don't get diverted. Years ago, when I was a boy, I was a New York Yankees fan. Yogi Berra was a catcher for the Yankees. Hank Aaron was quite a hitter for the Milwaukee Braves. 
one time those two teams met for the World Series. And in this World Series game, Yogi Berra was catcher. So he was down there in his position behind home plate, and Hank Aaron was up to bat. And everybody knew Hank Aaron could hit that thing out of the park. Pitcher on the mound began to wind up. And as he did, Hank Aaron was in his position, ready to make contact with the ball. Yogi Berra was behind him, and as the pitcher wound up, he said, better watch that trademark. You can't hit the ball without that trademark being up. You got to keep that trademark up. Just started that little conversation. What was he doing? Trying to divert Hank Aaron's attention off the ball onto the bat. I don't know the rest of the story. I don't know if, if, he, if Hank Aaron got sidetracked. I don't know if he got his attention off or not. But Yogi Berra was trying to do that. I thought that was an interesting story of diversion because Satan will whisper in our ear and get us sidetracked. Here's number four. Traditions. Traditions can get us off the main thing. Now, there's nothing wrong with traditions. As a matter of fact... We're coming up on Thanksgiving pretty soon. I presume you are probably going to have turkey and apple pie. It's a tradition. That's what we do for Thanksgiving. Nobody has a fish dinner for Thanksgiving. We have turkey. After that comes Christmas. And everybody likes the gift exchange in the Christmas tree. That's tradition. After that's going to come Easter. And we know the kids just love the colored eggs and the, and the egg exchange. There's nothing wrong with those traditions as long as it doesn't take us away from the main thing. That Thanksgiving is not Turkey Day. Thanksgiving is, is a time when we reflect on the blessings of God and give Him thanks. That's what it's about. Christmas is about God coming to this earth as a human being. The incarnation. That's what it's about. Not the Christmas tree. Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the hope that that brings for all of us. That's what Easter's about, not Easter eggs. So there's nothing wrong with tradition, but let's not be diverted off the main thing. Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I say to you. In other words, you know what the traditions are. But I'm telling you, there's a better way. There's more to the story. There's something I want you to see. That's not the way Christians should be living their life. This is the way Christians should be giving their, living their life. So, traditions can get in the way. Because everything repetitious gets stale. God wants to do a new thing. New things bring excitement. New things bring life. Okay, here's, here's number five. I'll finish with this. The fifth thing that can get in the way and sidetrack me is me. Me, myself, and I. Of course, if you want to learn something, it's talking about you. You can be your own worst enemy. You can be the thing that gets in the way. One of the, one of the big changes that took place in our world some years ago was a battle with the church over science. You know, when this guy came up with, with, he did a lot of studying, a lot of, put a lot of charts together, and he discovered that really the earth is not the center of the universe. The moon revolves around the planet, 
But the planet revolves around the sun, creates a solar system of planets that move around the sun. And that led him to the idea that the whole solar system is moving around something else, that everything is moving. And the church said, nobody's ever told us this before. That can't be true. Everything's got to revolve around the earth. And they took that guy, Galileo, and they found him guilty of heresy. And they gave him two choices. Either he recants, takes back on what he said, or they're going to torture him to death. Now with an option like that, what choice would you have? He recanted his words, pulled his book from the market so nobody would be reading it. But he did end the trial with these words. But it still moves. It still moves. We don't understand it, but the earth isn't static. It's moving. So we get in big trouble when we start thinking our whole world revolves around us. Because then that leads to selfishness. We think that everything, everything revolves around me. And that's just not the way it is. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, and the, with the story of Satan and the temptation with Eve, uh, Satan says to Eve, You will not surely die. The serpent said to the, to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You'll be like God. Would you like to be like God? This is Satan's temptation. You'll be like God. You'll know the difference between good and evil. Do we really want to know the difference between good and evil? Do we really want to have one foot in good and the other foot in evil? But this is what Satan wants to do. He wants to get us thinking, it's all about me. Me, 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 me. Can't do that. I'm my own worst enemy. Me and my desires can be my own diversion. I can get myself sidetracked from that. I was watching the news just this last week, and they were doing a report on a new movement that's coming up now where a whole group of young people will go into a store and they'll start a commotion over here in this part of the store and all the employees will move over toward the commotion and then the, the others over here on this side of the store will fill their pockets with all kinds of goods and out the door they go. It's a diversion. It's a diversion. Roving bands of thieves setting up a commotion to get your eyes off the main thing. I think we have some roving bands of thieves in our spiritual world around us who are trying to create a commotion over here, commotion over there to get our eyes off the main thing so they can steal us blind. That's what Satan and the demonic world wants to do. Steal us blind. I'm not going to get diverted. I'm going to hang on to the main thing. I'm not going to get sidetracked. Listen, church. COVID is a diversion. He's trying to steal us blind. Pull the rug out from under our economy. Leave us all hiding out. Hiding out in, in, in some hole in the ground. Safe. I want us to see it as a distraction. This is not a God thing. Targeting me. He's mad at me. This is a distraction. I'm not going to let it be a distraction. I have a mask in my pocket. 
I can go any place I want to go. I'm not afraid of going there. I can talk to anybody I want. I'm not afraid of talking to them. Because I put the mask on. It's a distraction. I'm not going to let it hold me back. I'm not going to hide in a hole someplace. You see, if God wants us to win the rest of the world for Christ, how can hiding out be anything but an attack from the enemy? He wants to keep the church separated and silent. I made my mind up. I'm not keeping my mouth shut. I, want, I intend to speak up. So, that said, most probably you have some distractions that have come into your life. Some divergent things trying to get you sidetracked off the main thing. Don't let it happen. God will fight your battles for you if you don't let it happen. Amen? So let's stand together. We're going to sing one last song. Gracefully broken. Maybe that distraction is something that God intends to break you so that he can use you.